we want to speak a little bit about your history as an entrepreneur. Yeah, and as I know, because I'm in the, in this field since 1992, you are too. Yeah, how did it start in 1992? Well, 1992, which sounds ages ages ago, um, I was a student just uh, in the middle of, of doing my master degree in Vienna, and um, frankly, I come out of a family which doesn't have any business ties. It's uh, basically a doctor's family. So I never really knew how, how business works. Uh, the only thing I knew is that I want to do something on my own. And uh, then I was super excited about all kinds of different ideas. So we started together with a couple of friends at university, basically uh, a club, a student's club, uh, focusing on business simulations, computer simulations around all kinds of interesting topics. Climate change already was a topic back then. Politics. And, and I know it was a great name you took in these days. It was Susis. Can you translate it for me again? Yes, it was an amazing name. Uh, very, very uh, sexy. Institute <laughs> for Social Simulation of Socioeconomic Processes. Back then it was already a joke and still a joke, at least an insider. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Kind of showed how completely naive and completely non-business-minded we were when we started this and I, I very much enjoyed these early days we, we loved what we did and we didn't care if we earned any money and we didn't have any perspective in terms of building a scalable business or building anything other than just uh, a good products at the end of the day and that was the, the initial focus but that was the very very early days of a after all then what is it, 15-year-long journey before we eventually sold this company uh, to Verisign in 2006. And there were many, many steps in between and all of them in an environment where the whole concept of entrepreneurship, the whole concept of startups, venture was pretty much new to anybody. We were all blindfolded. We were all alone. We didn't have any peers to discuss anything. And so in, in, in that sense, this, this era was... I would say raw entrepreneurship. There was the uh, level of sophistication, the level of understanding was so much lower than it is today that also the brute force of it was much more, yeah, uh, <laughs> visible maybe uh, than, than yeah. where so much there was so much support today, which is great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But at the end, yeah, you managed to do a kind of a company with a um, uh, the. Uh, five friends yeah sitting together and and doing um their best yeah with lots of passion which is still a success factor as we know today in our data sets um and um so Susis was your first company you said you had an exit 2006 you sold the company to Verisign And then you managed to do a second company. Yeah. And this is why we are here today, because this is the story of Speed Invest. So do you want to tell me a little bit about this idea, you know, for founders or for, for, for uh, um, people uh, in the ecosystem? They are, they are really eager to know how the idea from a new company starts. And was it, was it a VC that you wanted to do or was it what what was the idea at the beginning i think at the beginning was much less of an idea but more of a emotion or a feeling 
mm-hmm. I, I think after these um, 10, 12, 14 years that I spent with Sysis, my first company, I was what in, in American English has this term of recovering entrepreneur. And that's exactly what I was. I was really recovering. I was trying to make sense of it all and trying to understand what actually happened in this crazy, especially in the last couple of years with 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 Reunited, which then was the the name of the company that I eventually sold after a merger with two other companies. So this super crazy entrepreneurial ride took a lot of energy, took pretty much everything I had uh, that I put into this company. And it was very clear to me that I didn't want to go back doing exactly the same again. At the same time, I learned, I had the feeling, I didn't know, but I had the feeling I learned so much that obviously I wanted to make use of this. And and the most obvious way to do this was to work with other founders. And back then when we started actually uh, working on, on this idea to, to, to leverage the knowledge, leverage network in, in, in working with startups, the initial concept was much more working on business development, working on sales, working on US expansion. We sold our company to the West Coast. So there was a lot of assets that we could bring to the table. Um, and then we found out, oops, that's a nice idea. But at the end of the day, if our companies don't have money, don't have capital to deploy, uh, there is not much you can do around business development or sales. So fundamentally, the only way to solve this problem was to raise a venture fund. So, that's what so first there was maybe a failure. Yeah. Well, there was a big failure. Well, it was a, I would say search. It was search for, I guess today you would call it product market fit, a founder, founder market fit more than product market fit. So that's what we did. We, we searched for two years, still with those friends and, 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 and family that we, we've been working together for the last 10 years. Okay, what is actually the fit with our skill sets uh, at the market? And Speedinvest turned out to be a great fit. And uh, we, we started off with this very specific question, what can we bring to founders that actually does make a difference and is not maybe not as cynical, not as, um, not as transactionally driven as the way I experienced the venture back then. I think this was one of the main um, um, learnings, yeah, from your side that you 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 had experience with VCs on your own or in your own company, and you wanted to do it in another way, better, in a new way. What what was what was it exactly here? Yes. Uh... First of all, I want to stress that the investors that I had in my company were all good people. They were not not at all. They always wanted to do as good as they could. Uh, there, we didn't have any, there was no betrayal. There was no major fights. Uh, it was really just a question of how, what can you actually add to the, what can you bring to the table with your background, with your understanding of the, of the world, of what you've learned. In the background, yeah, and, the, and the ecosystem was not was not um, um, here, so to say. The experience from the from the VC companies wasn't. That is the main point. It's not about the people. It's simply about the background and the experience of the investors, which were at the end of the day bankers. Some of them were consultants, but mainly they came purely from the financial industry. They they worked in banks, maybe in private banking or maybe in. Uh, corporate banking and then switch to this asset class called VC. And the truth is that this background, this knowledge that they had, 
had very, very limited benefit to anything I did as a founder. And what I learned that that is still the core driver behind everything I do as an investor. If my counterpart, if I'm the founder and my counterpart on the other end of the table cannot add any meaningful value through his experience or her experience, um, I will discount it. It will not have an impact on what I do. And if you want to be a lead investor in an early stage company and you have no impact, you, your voice is not heard, you're in an extremely dangerous and fragile position. So the only way to, so to say, de-risk this extremely risky business of early stage investing, investing is having a trusted relationship with the founders, which has to be earned. It has to be earned by actually finding one way or the other uh, anything that you can actually bring to the table to, so to say, gather the respect of the founder. And that's whatever we do. Is it the focus funds? Is it the platform? Is it, is it our community efforts? It all pays into this concept. Do we actually make a difference in, in, in this conversation with the founder? If not, we shouldn't do it. So it's about respect, relationship, and having impact for, for, your founders yeah for your portfolio companies is this what you want to tell in a way and it, it goes almost the other way around it, it, it if you cannot create impact or cannot create value for your founders it's very hard to build a true relationship you have to bring something to the table uh, founders are extremely busy founders are very little time they're extremely under stress And so just building a relationship for the, just because you're, you're the guy that, that puts the money on the table is uh, that's what most VCs do, but that's not enough. You have to actually earn the trust and that, and so that's where value comes in. Yeah. So can you uh, explain a little bit? Uh, Speed Invest is an early stage fund. How many people are now in your company? Um, what do you want to tell um, people from our platform about Speed Invest? So Speed Invest, in many ways, is uh, just as much an entrepreneurial journey as has been the first company. We, I'm now doing this for 10 years. It takes up all my day and a lot of my nights. Um, we are now uh, including our two joint ventures that we have. We have two joint ventures, one with uh, Heroes, uh, where you are uh, our <laughs> partner. And we also have a joint venture with Pirates, which is an equivalent service-driven company for growth and growth hacking. And if we add all these um, teams to the mix, we are roughly 80 people. Uh, that's a very big team for, for a venture firm. We are also spread out across uh, multiple locations. We have an office in San Francisco and London, in Berlin, Munich, Paris, and of course, Vienna. And we've raised quite a lot of money in total now, quite a bit more than 400 million euros. So, so I personally find this, uh, if the, the contrast between Sizes Reunited and Speedwest couldn't be bigger. Sizes Reunited has been a very organic, mainly, I mean, we had a short one and a half years where we had venture money, but then we burned it all and then we were back to having to live uh, off of our revenues. Uh, and that stayed until the, the moment we sold the company. So it was very organically driven uh, company. And now we are much more, we are really in the, in the center stage of the VC universe. So very different. Uh, also, in a way, Speedinvest is much more 
diverse, not necessarily, unfortunately, not necessarily in terms of male-female ratio, but if I look at the at the nationalities, if I look at the different perspectives, we have we have hardcore VCs in the team. We have that really have spent all their time in all their life in venture. We have consultants, we have people that have worked 20, 30 years in corporate. We have founders, of course. Um, so it's a very, very uh, diverse setting from that perspective. And keeping all that together is, for me personally, a very, very big entrepreneurial um, challenge. Extremely interesting. And, and, a, and a big success. No? So maybe if you speak about the, the people, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, I just want to add here a question. I know that it's now 10 years. Yeah. Yes. That, that Speed Invest. Um, is is part of the game so to say and you said you arrived now in the in the middle of the vc uh, ecosystem um so among the people you have worked with in the in the last 10 years yeah who do you admire and why i'm always asking this but <laughs> <laughs> well, i what i love about our job is that there are so many different ways to be successful it's, it's really beautiful to see you have uh, like if I look at, at my lead partners, so to say, um, they, they all are extremely different um, from each other. You have uh, Michael Schuster, who is a very, very um, aesthetically driven, sensitive guy that really, where that he would probably say he's mainly driven by his gut in a way. On the other hand, you have uh, Matthias uh, Ockenfels, who is a who is very, very uh, like. He he's the most, I would call him almost a venture nerd. He understands venture probably even a lot better than I do. And then this is really knowing marketplaces inside out and is really coming very much from that perspective. You have Stefan, who is a uh, who is in fintech all his life and then really builds very personal, strong relationships with the founders. You have Marie-Lene uh, in Munich who is probably by far the best manager that we have in Speed Invest and really is able to, to build teams and has built a team around uh, manufacturing and industrial IT that is outstanding in the way they perform. So that, and all of them are successful, but they all go a different route and they, they respect each other. So that's, that's beautiful to see. Um, and frankly speaking, that's the people I, I focus on. Uh, I, don't, I, I never had uh, this kind of uh, mentorship or mm -hmm. envoy situation where I looked up at somebody from the outside. I never mm -hmm. had that all my life, unfortunately. Maybe. Yeah, you, you, you told this before, so it was a little bit a lonely journey, so to say, because the ecosystem was not so um, um, uh, developed. I'm sure you have learned about yourself during this journey a lot too. Do you want to share something about your learnings? Well, I think the, um, what I learned about myself is that uh, that I'm functioning best uh, if I can create situations where where I can listen and people explain them to them to myself in a, in a very honest and transparent way, and and then I'm pretty good at aggregating these different perspectives and and building something new uh, out of it. That's mm -hmm. how my creative uh, thinking works. It, it really works in, in dialogue with, with, the, with the world, so to say. Um, and that's also what I enjoy the most. And that's where, where I get a lot of positive energy out of it. Mm -hmm. And maybe one thing I, when I compare myself today to my early days as an entrepreneur, 
my biggest mistake was that I didn't listen enough. I was basically all spending all my time persuading others to believe in whatever I had to say and not necessarily listen. So I think so there's a little bit of stubbornness in your in your profile too. Yeah, I don't think I found the profile. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm now less stubborn than I was back then. Maybe more, um, but but that doesn't mean that I don't listen. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> so the the last question here uh, from from um, uh, maybe your personality and I know that you're a father yeah so how do you manage your working life balance that's always uh, a hard one too that's a hard one that's a hard one and not <laughs> necessarily uh, in terms of simply the hours you put in to 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 your job or to your company Uh, more the mind share that you can reserve for other things. Uh, having family and, and kids is, is a great uh, great way to save you because they simply take this mind share. Uh, Lola, our daughter, is now uh, turning 14 very soon and um, spending much less time with us. So it's, it's quite dangerous to fall back into this full focus on, on, on work. And I think that's also for me the, the very important development path to broaden the horizon again and not just be stupidly looking into Zoom, uh, Zoom calls all day. What is the most important trait to be a good leader from your perspective? Well, uh, it's it, as usual, I, for me, it's always a trade-off and ambivalence. Uh, it's, 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 you have to have both. You have to be, have great storytelling skills, being able to tell a story that excites and motivates and drives people. Um, but you also have to be self-reflective and intelligent and sensitive enough to never buy your own story, but actually be open, listen, adapt it, change it. Uh, yeah. And learn and 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 you have a, sometimes you have wonderful storytellers but they just tell stories to tell their own stories and then and, and don't don't move forward and you have the other way around you need both mm -hmm. very interesting so um, don't take yourself too serious and learn so and develop Actually, i mean i think <laughs> take yourself, you can take yourself very very serious but don't take your stories too serious make sure that's <laughs> <laughs> don't fall into the trap to just repeat yourself over and over again. Mm. What would you say, you know, culture-wise, um, this is always important uh, for uh, new employees or for the ecosystem too. What would you say are the, the leading values in Speed Invest? Um, Speed Invest is a changing organization and especially COVID didn't necessarily make it easier to maintain culture. Yeah. Back over the last 10 years, I think there's a there's one part of the DNA which is really this enormous respect and this also belief in, in entrepreneurs and in founders and then really this urge to do good to them. It's a very important part. Um, we also, given that we were this very diverse set of personalities, we had to respect each other and we also had to be kind to each other. And that's, I think, extremely important. And be kind. Uh, be mm -hmm. kind. And that's something that I think remote, for all the benefits it brings, it, it sometimes 
uh, this element gets lost. And then and, and it's for mm. me really important being kind to each other and making sure that you never forget that that person on the other side of the Zoom window is also having uh, probably quite a tough uh, life. And uh, and there is nothing that should stop you from, from just mm. being that's very interesting because I, I looked up the big trends for HR or for, for the people management for this year and being kind is one of the most um, or the biggest trends for, for this year. Yeah, maybe it's really cause of the pandemic or cause of COVID. Um, so you, you actually grew two companies. Um, what would you say, um, what, what would be a key takeaway in HR? Yeah, what... What, what did you learn from the first company when you grow the company um, and which which mistakes you avoid in the second one and which are the new mistakes, so to say, because we, we always try to learn about our mistakes or failures. I think so, that traditional mistake any entrepreneur or leader is doing is, is, is avoiding conflict or is avoiding to go into um, the the non-comfort zone or going out of the comfort zone mm. and where does this happen most it happens mostly in hr right if you have tough decisions with people that are not performing if you have people that have a very different self-image than the image that they are, that others happen about them solving these situations is extremely painful mm. there are many many ways to navigate as a leader or as a ceo around those and and still and people still still look up to you so so you can get away with not so to say not dealing with them for a long time eventually they will catch you and, uh, and i think that's uh, that's where i'm maybe halfway <laughs> i'm definitely better than i was in the past but i'm hmm. they are i think nobody is frankly or very very few people are uh, but um like finding a way to deal with this and deal with this again in a kind way in an honest mm -hmm. way is, uh, important so are those the main um, needs for candidates in the startup ecosystem yeah to be kind yeah or to no, be no, no, it's, it's, or to be uh, I think you know startups uh, startup demand a specific skill set or personality set that is that is also, um, I mean, if you're not extremely fast, if you're not extremely self-driven, if you're not eager to create impact with everything you do, um, if you're a little bit laid back, uh, all these things, it's very, very hard to, 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 to really be successful in the startup ecosystem, simply because your day-to-day -day competition is so fierce and there's, there's so many people um that that's wanted so badly so to say and then they will outperform you very simply when you spoke um about diversity what advice would you give uh, to other female founders to be successful because i know you have the cooperation with female founders and you're always looking for good founders and of course for good female founders too any advice here at the end of the day, we all have to get rid of stereotypes uh, and of self-images. And I think there's a, uh, women uh, that are aggressive, uh, women that are also confrontational, um, and women that are speaking up uh, are 
are needed and are needed more than anything. Uh, and, and we need, uh, I think, that the self-image to be just um, polite and, and uh, so to say, friendly uh, and soft-spoken is, 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 is not helpful. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, be be not be in that sense not kind. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not yeah. always be the kind in the room. Let's put it this way. Yeah, I, I would translate it in into less norm orientation. Yeah, less norm orientation. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then, then I, I mean the most successful female founders I knew were extremely tenacious, were extremely tough negotiators, um, aggressive. Uh, uh, and and that's that's great, you know. That's yeah. it's also the image that we um, that we need to convey sometimes. I think as an industry, um, complete the sentences. Yeah, the tool that makes your life easier. Not a tool, my dog. Walking the dog every day. <laughs> <laughs> Going outside. Going outside. <laughs> The superpower you wish you had is? Uh, be faster in, uh, in taking, in coming to conclusions on people. <laughs> okay, more gut feeling. Yeah. Your business is your? My business is uh, to a large degree my life um, more than I want to. And the last one, in a world led by women. People would be more kind. <laughs> okay. So thank you very much. Um, and I wish you a wonderful day. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.